It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Maybe on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the Vivid Seats Studios, use the promo code OVERTIME to get yourself up to 100 bucks off your very first purchase when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. And one of the most popular guests on Play Like a Jet throughout the time that I've been doing this program has been Daryl Slater of NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media. And a big part of the reason that this show became a daily show is because a couple of years ago, Daryl was good enough to join me on daily training camp reports during the summertime. And that's when realized there was an appetite for a daily show. And so Daryl became a regular on the show. Fortunately, because of the fact that he's got a lot going on in his personal life and that now he's covering the NFL in general and not just the Jets, he hasn't been on in a while. I've been getting asked a ton about when Daryl's coming back. Well, for everybody that's asking that question, good news. The answer is he's back right now. So really happy to have Daryl Slater back on the show. Daryl, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been a while. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's good to good to be back talking with you. But uh, yeah, thank you for inviting me back on, even though I'm not doing a ton of jet stuff still a little bit but a little bit of giants they got a lot they got a lot going on as well uh with daniel jones and all that good stuff so uh yeah there's certainly been a good amount of stuff going on over there and so that's where they've kind of had me stationed a little bit but i've been doing some jets i think i've been i've actually done every jet jet game so far i wrote about beckham off the brown game but um but yeah shoot I, i look i was talking about this the other day i think i started covering the team 2013 and I did miss the last game that year because I was in my friend's wedding. But I am pretty sure, yeah, I have covered every other game besides that one since the start of 2013, which is really not not like we're talking that long. But, um, but yeah, so I don't know if that'll be the case for the rest of the year. I don't. And in fact, I know for sure that I won't be making some of these jet road trips because my wife uh, is, is pregnant, and so I obviously am not going to be on a, uh, you know, in Florida at the end of October when she's due in a, a short while from then. So that's. I guess kind of sort of streak will come to an end, but, um, but yeah, obviously there's still going to be a lot going on with the jets, even though just like the giants, they're not making the playoffs. Neither of these teams is, but there's still a ton of storylines here because as you know, obviously there's a lot of angry jet fans out there about, you know, how Adam Gase's first season has gone so far. Yeah. And that was the subject of a great piece that you wrote over at NJ.com. So that's why I wanted to talk to you today about that. A lot of your stuff has been giants based. You've done some Eagles stuff, some, general NFL stuff, but this was a great opportunity to talk to you about the Jets again because you wrote all about how Adam Gase 
can fix this problem and pull this season out of the fire. Now, one thing that a lot of Jets fans were saying going into the season, and I even said this a little bit, although I said it was not a great chance. I said it was an outside chance they could make the playoffs, but a lot of Jets fans had that expectation that the Jets would be able to make the playoffs this year. I said that it was more likely that they would go 7-9. and nine. If everything went right, maybe 9-7, and seven, and they'd be a fringe playoff contender. But you never were in that camp. You always believed that the playoffs were fairly unrealistic going into 2019. Why did you think that going into the season? Yeah, I mean, I thought this is a team that could show progress. But, I mean, odds are you're not making the playoffs at 9-7. and seven. I mean, unless you're going to be a team like that wins your division at 9-7 and seven and you're in a crappy division. But that's not the reality for the Jets. You know, you're... You're likely not getting a wild card at nine and seven. I mean, they obviously didn't get it at ten wins a couple of years ago in 2015. So, look, I, I thought this was a, obviously they needed they needed to show progress. They needed to, um, you know, particularly with Sam Darnold, show progress with him having you know been having Adam Gase inspire some confidence that he can actually develop and and work with this guy uh, and 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 get some results from Sam Darnold. The Jets obviously needed to win more games than they had the past couple of years. The talent level was better. And, yeah, I mean, be in the mix for the playoffs, that would be nice. But the notion that, you know, the season was going to be a failure if they didn't make the playoffs, I mean, I think that's, you know, I don't think that's realistic. Um, and, and, look, basically, what, what the, you know, when they started 0-1, and then they go and start Trevor Simeon against the Browns, the, against the Browns and then he doesn't even make it through the whole game, Obviously, at that point, you're lined up for 0-2. It was inevitable. I mean, they were not going to beat the Browns with Luke Falk. And they may not have done it with Trevor Simeon. And, yes, they have a lot of other problems besides quarterback. But at 0-2, you're not making the playoffs. It's over. You have a 13% chance of making the playoffs at 0-2. And, obviously, at 0-3, it's even less. But So, that's it. Season's over at 0-2 in terms of the playoffs. So, there still has to be something left worth chasing, of course. And, uh, you know, there, there certainly can still be progress for this team, and especially with Sam Darnold. My thing is, like, and I think a lot of people point this out. That Patriot game is not the game to say that Adam Gase is, doesn't know what he's doing. It's like the guy started Luke Falk. He's a third string quarterback. He's not good. Like it's uh, yes, they have problems besides quarterback, and the, and the notion that Sam Darnold is going to come back and fix everything is not accurate. Um, but you know, they didn't have C.J. Mosley, they didn't have Sam Darnold, and they were playing a vastly superior team. That you know, even when both teams are fully healthy, the Patriots have much better talent level because they've done a much better job of drafting than the Jets which is not Adam Gase's fault that Mike McCagney did such a terrible job of drafting. So, look, judge Adam Gase when – and I, I think most, obviously, Jet fans should be looking forward to Sam Darnold coming back. But, like, I think everyone who objectively uh, observes a team like like we do is, is saying, like, let's just get, get Darnold back and, like, let's be able to accurately assess Gase now. I mean, you're not doing that with Luke Falk. It's just you're spinning your wheels. It's a waste of time. Uh, but, obviously, you want – you know, Darnold can't just come back, you know, when everyone wants him. He needs to make sure he's healthy and all that stuff. So it would be great for all parties involved, you know, the Jets, obviously, and the fans, and then those of us who look at the team and try to assess them objectively. If Darnold would play in Philly, because that would give us a chance, look, 13 games to go. Now let's see what Adam Gase is made of. And I think that's where it becomes a 13-game season where you can assess Adam Gase, assess Sam Darnold, even if the playoffs are not happening, and they're not going to happen. Daryl, I want to talk about how Adam Gase can turn this around and salvage the season, and as you said, not necessarily make the playoffs, but at least make this a season where they show progress. And the first key to that is going to be through Sam Darnold. As you said, they're hoping Darnold will come back against Philadelphia. He will be back at some point, at which point 
that is when we are going to see Adam Gase being able to get a fully healthy Sam Darnold and really try to work his quote-unquote magic with him. You were saying in your article that the main reason that the Jets hired Adam Gase was to work with Sam Darnold and take him to the next level, and I think a lot of people would agree with that. I don't know that that's necessarily the reason that you should hire a coach, but certainly it's one of the reasons you should consider, and it seems like that was one of the biggest considerations that owner Christopher Johnson had in making this hire in the first place. What do you think Adam Gase needs to do with Sam Darnold? Where do you think Darnold needs to be for people to look at this and say, okay, whatever else happened around this team, Darnold has shown enough progress that we're happy with what Gase has done? I mean, they have to win. I think that they have to win some games. Like, that's the reality of it. Um, you know, the numbers, you know, it's hard to just say, like, you know, this is what his quarter. You can't really just say, hey, if he has an ex- this quarterback rating and the Jets are still a five- or six-win team, which, you know, having a great quarterback rating and winning that few games is unlikely, uh, then it's progress. So I think ultimately it's winning games, and a ton goes into that besides how Donald plays because um, obviously there are a ton of issues on the offensive line, which, again, are not all of the doing of Adam Gase and Joe Douglas, you know. Um, it's obviously become more and more apparent what a terrible job Mike McCagnan did drafting players. Um and the talent level is lacking, but I look. Gase is is got this reputation for being an offensive guru, so it's similar to what the, the Giants are going through now with Saquon Barkley out and and trying to develop Daniel Jones. It's like okay, let, now let's see what Pat Shermer's made of. You know, anybody can game plan with Saquon Barkley. Now let's see what he's made of when when you know he doesn't when he's shorthanded, and uh, you know he has to get a little creative and 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 work around this. So now Adam Gase has a hurdle, even when Sam Darnold comes back. His offensive line is brutal. So how is he going to design around that? I mean, that's that's a hard thing to overcome. Um, and then there's another, obviously, outside of Sam Darnold's control, too, is the, the Jets' defense and their secondary and some of the problems they have back there. Um, you know, I, I think C.J. Mosley's return will help. But, uh, but Sam Darnold can't fix that. He can't cure that. I think So ultimately, you're looking for, you know, Sam Darnold to, to do the things that he didn't do well enough last year, which is at least early in the year. So do what he did better late in the year, which is, Show more field awareness. Obviously, limit the turnovers. Make better decisions, uh, and do a better job of some of the things Darnold himself talked about going into the season, which is having quieter feet in the pocket. And those are the nuanced things that lead to the tangible results, of course. So, um, quieter feet in the pocket, better decisions. You know, keeping his keeping his head up, and, and when he scrambles around and focused down the field in terms of finding, uh, you know, receivers in broken play situations, which he usually does a good job of. Use his feet. Um, and we've seen this since even training camp last year. Darnold's really good on rolling out plays and, and bootlegs and stuff. So maybe that is something that, uh, you know, Adam Gase is going to have to try to move this pocket because the pocket has been so, uh, so non existent at times, you know, in the traditional sense. So maybe Adam Gase tries to move the pocket with Darnold knowing that the kid has pretty good feet. So I think all those things, those, the, all those little nuanced points of progress will presumably lead to better results. And look, unless, I suppose Darnold could light it up and the defense could just be atrocious. I mean, you know, there's mitigating factors there. And then you don't win and then your quarterback still plays well. But generally speaking, if, if the quarterback does those things and the defense plays well enough, you're going to win some games. And there's, uh, we've said it all along. After these first six games, there's opportunities for wins. You know, Jets are on three and then they play, what, Philly, Dallas, New England. They're not making the playoffs and they might start two and four at best. Um, but, what do they do with the rest of those 10 games? That's the chance for them to make some hay. 
And that's what you talked about here in this article. You said it's now a 13-game season. Forget about the other three games they are over with. Coming off the bye, it's a 13-game season. You have three tough games coming up in a row. First, you're on the road against the Eagles. Then you're at home against the Dallas Cowboys and at home against the New England Patriots. Conceivable that they lose all three of those games. But regardless, if you look at the rest of this schedule, everybody knew that the last 10 games were going to be the easy part of this and the first six games were going to be the roughest part. If you're looking at it as a 13-game season, what do you think Adam Gase needs to do in terms of wins and losses for people to consider this not a lost season for him and for people to not be yelling and screaming for him to be run out of town after year one? Do you think he needs to finish above 500 for those last 13 games? So in other words, if they go, say, 7-6, and six, would you think that's a success if they finish the season 7-9? and nine? Yeah, but look, I think seven and nine is probably a realistic option or eight and eight. I don't think nine and seven is happening right now because that, that means closing nine and four right now, obviously, against a schedule that still includes three pretty tough games. So let's just say, for example, I think the Jets can beat the Eagles if the, the way the Eagles have looked lately. So let's just say the Jets beat the Eagles. They're not, they're not beating the Patriots and they're likely not beating the Cowboys. So that would put the Jets at what? One, one and five, right? And at that point, you have 10 games left. And can you win seven of those 10? They're not winning eight of those. T- I just don't see how they win eight of those 10 games. I don't see how they close eight and two to go nine and seven after a one and five start. It seems highly unlikely. Um, because then at that point, you're fighting, you know, malaise in your own locker room is another issue too. Um, so I think, I think eight and eight would be a significant accomplishment given the fact that they didn't have Donald for, uh, two games. Uh, and given the fact that, you know, they've had, and who knows what Donald's going to be when he comes back. So I think if, you know, they couldn't, if they, so they said one five for the first six. And can they close seven and three? I, I certainly think they can. I mean, I think if you look at that schedule, seven and three, you got two games against the Dolphins. You got one game against the Bills team that was, you know, you can make a case that Jeff should have won that opener. Um, and so that's potentially three wins right there. And then I, I don't have a schedule in front of me the rest of the way. But um, And I think they play the Ravens, who have been really good so far. So uh, there's opportunities there. But they have to obviously play much, much better. It's not a given. It's not a given just because they're playing worse teams. They're also a bad team. That's the thing. It's like, it, uh, let's not forget here that the Jets have also been really bad. It's not just the product of the teams that they're playing against. But it is somewhat a product, too, of, who's been out there and Donald hasn't been out there, but I think you have to look at it and I'm going like three different ways here, but you have to look at it in that the guys who are out there and the guys who they were going to count on. Again, I keep zooming in the offensive line. There's no solutions that are coming back. Like there's no returning player from injury right there. You know, Ryan Khalil is as bad as he's been and there's no getting out of that situation because otherwise it's Jonathan Harrison who, what's he going to give you? Um, So, that's a major problem. That is a major problem. And the offensive line has been a major problem for this organization for several years now. There's no easy fix to it. It's not happening during this season. So I think, you know, that's going to be a hurdle for this team as they try to finish 8-8. Eight eight. I think 8-8 eight eight is, is possible, difficult, but possible. 7-9, again, I think it's not going to be easy, but it's achievable. So I think that's what people would look at. I think if they win seven games or more, then I think people should be happy about this season. 
But look, the way things are going, this could go south really quickly. And I, they could be a four-win team, a three-win team. And then what? And then what, you know? I don't think Adam Gase gets fired, but I guess you never know. That becomes the big question. And if they're going to be able to win some games down the stretch, Daryl, it's not just going to be the offense. The defense will have to step up, too. They've played a lot of bend but don't break. They've kept the Jets in the game for the most part in these first three games. In fact, they should have won the Jets the first game against Buffalo. The offense failed to rise to the occasion. But they've also had a ton of injury issues. C.J. Mosley, Quinn and Williams, obviously Avery Williamson is out for the year. The whole cornerback situation, although we knew that going in, I think a lot of people didn't realize that Tremaine Johnson was going to be so bad that he would get benched this quickly, though. Greg Williams is somebody who has a reputation for being able to manufacture pressures, being able to be aggressive, and have that be a successful system for him. Against the Patriots, I'm not saying it's all on Greg Williams, and 30 points against the Patriots isn't that bad, but there were a ton of miscues, a lot of missed tackles. The defense did not play well. If the offense starts to turn it around, the defense is going to have to start to step up their game as well. You would assume that things will get better when these guys get healthier, but Greg Williams is going to have to help Adam Gase out here too, right? Look, I don't see any way that Adam Gase is one and done. I, I really don't. I mean, unless it's 0-16 and the players are revolting against him and all that stuff, I I don't see it. Like, I, I don't think that they want to go down that road again of a coaching search and, and go down the embarrassment of firing a guy after one year. Greg Williams, on the other hand, if he doesn't do something with this defense, I could definitely see him being the fall guy if, uh, if things continue to go south. Um, because, look, he's supposed to be this great guru. And, again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about Gase and Shermer. You know, anyone can do it when you have incredible players out there. But what about when you're shorthanded, which is a lot of the time in the NFL? You know, how good can you scheme when you have to make up for shortcomings talent-wise? Or are you just going to blame it all on the players? You know, <laughs> or, are you, or are you just going to say, look, you know, and I think, obviously, Greg Williams is not doing that. And he's not saying, look, what am I supposed to do? He's trying to figure out solutions. That, that's his job. And I think, um, you know, this is a huge test for him because without C.J. Mosley, obviously majorly shorthanded, Qu- Quinn and Williams, you mentioned him, Jordan Jenkins. Say what you will about Jordan Jenkins. I mean, he, he's not a great pass rusher. He's one of the Jets' better pass rushers. There's no doubt about that. That's not telling you much, but for what they have on the roster, he's an asset. Um, so, yeah, the, it's grim. It's grim, uh, you know, defensively and all around, obviously. But um, I, they've done enough things defensively where you feel like, all right, maybe this group can give Sam Darnold a boost, especially once C.J. Mosley gets back. I mean, for all the talk about Darnold's mono and stuff, and it was obviously a huge injury. The Mosley injury was just, it kind of flew under the radar, but that is tremendously detrimental because, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, and all anyone who's listening doesn't know. Look at the guys they had out there playing linebacker on Sunday. I mean, that just shows you how significant a loss uh, C.J. Mosley was. Uh, uh, Harvey Lange and, and Frankie Lugu playing outside linebacker and Blake Cashman, the rookie, and Neville Hewitt inside. I mean, again, the, the decision to play Avery Williamson in that game in Atlanta with the backups is just continues to be a, a just bafflingly stupid. Like, uh, I mean, I just... There's no, there was never any reward for doing it, and now it's really biting this team. And like I said, you know, you can talk a lot about, and you should, everyone should, about how important the Darnold situation was with him being out with Mono. 
but the, the Mosley, like I said, the, his injury flew under the radar, that groin injury. And so it's hugely impactful. Flew under the radar for people who don't really pay close attention to the Jets, but obviously if you do, you know how valuable that guy is because you saw in the second half of that Buffalo game when they absolutely wilted when he wasn't on the field. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Daryl, there's a passage in your column that, again, I have to recommend everybody read over at NJ.com. I thought it poured a lot of cold water on the idea of the ascendant Jets, although obviously so did their 0-3 start. But it also is something that a lot of Jets fans probably needed to hear before the season. And here's what you wrote. Forget about the Jets closing the gap with the Patriots. That's not happening anytime soon. The Jets have now lost 7 straight and 15 of 17 against New England. They've dropped 9 consecutive games in Foxborough. The scores of the past 4 Jets at Patriots games, 30-14, 38-3, 26-6, and 41-3, combined for a 135-26 advantage for the Patriots. That 2010 Jets divisional round playoff win in New England, their last victory there seems like a lifetime ago. This season isn't about the Jets chasing Tom Brady and company, not anymore, and not that it ever really was. And so what you're saying here is that for everybody that thought that the Jets were knocking on the door, that this was going to be the year that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady started to hear the pitter-patter of the little Jets' feet coming up behind them was never a reality. It was always an illusion. Do you think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that Jets fans, and this is not necessarily exclusive to Jets fans, this is just fans in general, overrated the talent that was on this team as compared to the rest of the league and obviously especially the Patriots? In other words, they look at a guy and say, oh, this guy's pretty solid, like say Jordan Jenkins, but you have to compare Jordan Jenkins to the other guys that are starting at that position for other teams. So while he might be a solid player, 
maybe he's at the bottom end of the league in terms of starters and so on and so forth. You could have a ton of different examples. The offensive line, obviously, is an area where you could do this all day. But do you think that that's a big part of why people thought that this was going to be the year that the Jets started to make those strides towards New England, and now it's looking like, as you said, if there were any illusions of that being the case, those illusions and those dreams should be dead, at least for the time being, and probably for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I do. I think I think that that is definitely part of it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the reality is the Patriots are still really damn good. I mean, they're better than a lot of teams, not just the Jets. So, I, you know, I don't, I think anyone who realistically looks at this Jets team said maybe they challenged for a playoff spot never framed it like maybe they challenged the Patriots for the division. No, this was a team that was going to be in the mix for the first or second wild card at best. Um, and so if you just look at the two rosters, it's just, it's, it's apparent that the talent level is not close. So, uh, and obviously Tom Brady makes the Patriots a lot better than a lot of teams who have comparable talent levels. So, yeah, I, I think that the note. I think that's part of it. The comp, you know, the comparability you're talking about with you know, you player like Jordan Jenkins, for instance. But uh, I think another issue is the Jets made so many big splash moves in the offseason. Mosley, uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell, you know, even Jameson Crowder to a degree. You got this returning quarterback who's sharp. You got this offensive-minded head coaches coming in. Haven't had an offensive-minded head coach in a long time. All, all that stuff. They, the fans got what they wanted. They wanted a playmaker. Um, they wanted a, a, you know, obviously a quarterback they could feel good about. They got that. They wanted an offensive mind to head coach. They got that. So, uh, but the, all of that, unless you're, you know, a fan who really pays attention and you're cynical to a degree, uh, which is, you know, important to be in some cases with this team, uh, you, you, it's easy to overlook a lot of the flaws that the Jets had. Like, offensive line was always a huge question mark, and they didn't address center in the offseason. Uh, until they had to kind of paper it over with Ryan Khalil. Uh, so these things were always problems. And Le'Veon Bell being on the roster and Sam Darnold coming back and Adam Deese uh, arriving and Mosley, none of that papered over the reality, at least or maybe it did paper it over, but none of that changed the reality that, um, you know, the Jets had problems on the offensive line. Uh, you know, you look across that line, and, you know, Beecham's not getting any younger. They never ad- addressed left tackle this year in the draft. Uh, you know, not that it was a great year for that, or they hadn't addressed left tackle or, or offensive tackle significantly enough in the draft in recent years. And everyone knows that. And, and cornerback was always a very tenuous situation at best because again, we're rehashing things that people who really pay attention already know, but like the notion that Truman Johnson was all of a sudden going to become this great player again, Greg Williams. Why, you know, why, why should anyone believe that was going to happen? And it didn't. And Daryl Roberts has always just been a backup, a serviceable backup, a versatile player. Starter material, uh, there were a lot of doubts about that, and now a lot of those doubts are being proven right. So uh, those are really important positions, obviously, on the line and the cornerback and, uh, you know, even edge rusher. Uh, and they talked and talked and talked about the pressure they were going to get up the middle uh, with Quinn and Williams and Leonard Williams and free Leonard Williams up from double teams and all that stuff and how, you know, you don't always, always need to have a great edge rusher. Well, obviously, Quinn Williams' injury has been a mitigating factor here, but Leonard Williams has been completely invisible uh, in a contract here. And, uh, yeah, so all of those, you know, the sexy additions and then Darnold coming back and these big headline-type things, I think they made some people forget that this team still had a lot of problems because um, the situation that the roster was in, it was never going to be fixed overnight, and it hasn't been. Um, and that's sort of the reality of where the Jets find themselves. 
There's been this perception, and I think a lot of Jets fans have looked around the league and seen guys like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning over the years and Aaron Rodgers and said to themselves, well, a great quarterback can elevate an okay roster. So if Sam Darnold can be that great quarterback that we're expecting, then he's going to be able to lift this roster well above where it actually is. Do you think that maybe they were putting too many eggs in the Sam Darnold basket heading into the season? Because even Aaron Rodgers last year wasn't able to lift the Packers into a playoff spot, regardless of how great Aaron Rodgers is. And we know that he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Even if Sam Darnold was going to be awesome this year, as you said, a lot of holes still existed. Do you think that a lot of the unreasonable expectations stem from that, that people were just expecting way too much from Sam Darnold and he's not Superman? Yeah, I think that's part of it. And you got to remember, this kid has only started, uh, how many games has he started now? 14, right, because he missed three last year. So, um, yeah, that's a lot to put on a guy who, number one, we still don't know if he's going to be a, a legitimate, long-term successful player in the NFL. Like, if people are forgetting that. Like, we don't know if he's going to be really good for the long term. Um, I think people were making way too much out of um, those last four games. But, yes, obviously that's encouraging what he did in the last four games. It's certainly better than if he came out and played terribly all year long. you know. Um, and it was never reasonable to expect him to light it up as a rookie anyway. But, you know, he could still develop and be better uh, and have a really good second year like Wentz and Goff did. He could still improve and not have to be the Superman type, right? So if you look at what Wentz and Goff, and those guys had really good players elsewhere on their roster. I mean, those guys had really good second years, obviously. But those teams also have really good defenses, too, you know? like, And there were problems, uh, or there were factors that are problems for the Jets, non-quarterback factors, that those teams had more certainty at, at that the Jets simply do not. And we, and we addressed it. It's remarkable like how the, the pendulum always, you know, has swung for this organization. And not, not just a coach, not just a coach in terms of bringing in, like, uh, you know, no-nonsense guy after Rex. And then we're now bringing, bringing in Brash guy after Bowles. Like, I think even if you look at the way they've, they've handled the, the, at least the past two GMs, you know, you had John Idzik coming in, and he was a bean counter type. And then he's, all right, Mike McCagnan, scouting background, college scouting background, built through the draft. It, you cannot make up how bad his drafts were. Like, and, and, and then you look at, like, he's a real, perfectly nice man, um, and I think he tried really hard to get it right, but even Leonard, the Leonard Williams pick at this point, it's like, is that still a good pick, right? And, like, how many picks did he make successfully that didn't just, like, fall right into his lap? Like, Jamal Adams, like, anybody could have made that pick. And you could, I guess you could have said that about Leonard Williams, even though it's turned out to not be a great pick. Um, Sam Darnold, if he turns out to be a good player, sure. Like, I think that's, that's, a, a plus mark, obviously, for Mike McKagan. But it's amazing because a lot of us said, oh, look, uh, if Darnold turns out to be a star, no one's going to ever remember how bad the, uh, the other McKagan picks are or were. I think, yes, we might because look at the Lions. Like, they have a really good quarterback in Matt Stafford and they haven't won Jack. They had not won Jack because there are other players and they haven't been able to build around him successfully. So is, is, is Sam Darnold turning into that guy? Like a guy who thrives and does well, and in spite of all his success and progress, the team just can't get it together because, yes, other players matter on the roster. It's not the NBA. You know, it's quarterback-centric as this league is. 
So that's the comparison that came into my head the other day is Matt Stafford because really good player who's never probably never going to win a thing in the NFL ever because he was on an organization that didn't do a good enough job of building around him. And that's really where Mike McCagnon's draft record stands right now. Just absolutely abysmal. Um, and you know, it's just amazing. I'd love to go back and like look at the quotes in the introductory press conference. You know, for you know, yeah, he, uh, you know, history of, of drafting or uh, drafting well and college scouting background and all that stuff didn't matter. It didn't matter. Like none of that wound up mattering. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know whether you call it. You know, was it a bad Jets lock? Was it a bad hire? I think they had the right thing in mind. I think they had the right thing in mind when they made that hire. That's you didn't you didn't want to build through the draft. That was all well and good, but they just hired a guy who they just hired a guy who wasn't successful enough at it, and who didn't have as good of an eye as it turned out they thought he did. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a sixty-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. You can have the right plan, but you've got to execute it. I've always said that for whatever anybody wants to say about John Edzik, he had the right plan. The plan was to clear everything out and start fresh and rebuild from the ground up. He just wasn't the guy that was going to be able to execute that plan properly. Mike McCagney was brought in, as you said, to be the anti-John Idzik. He was the football man who was going to be able to rebuild the roster through the draft, and that didn't work out so well. And now you look at a team like the Buffalo Bills, who are 3-0. and They've begun to really rebuild their team largely through the draft. Josh Allen is playing much better than most of us expected. You look at the Giants. I don't know how successful they're going to be, but if Daniel Jones continues to play well, that's going to be a measuring stick for what happens with Sam Darnold and Adam Gase. Do you think that going forward, a lot of Jets fans are going to look at Josh Allen and what's going on in Buffalo and Daniel Jones and what's going on with the Giants and use that as a cudgel with which to hit Adam Gase if he doesn't get Sam Darnold to that next level because they can look at it and say, hey, we think that Sam Darnold is just as talented, if not more so, than those two guys. Look at what Shermer's done with Jones. Look at what McDermott and his staff have done with Josh Allen in Buffalo. Why can't Gase do that with Darnold? Do you think that's something that's going to hang over Gase's head as we continue throughout this season? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, and as it as it should, even if those other quarterbacks didn't even exist, you know what I mean? Like, because we've seen enough examples in recent season of good, good talented, really good talented quarterbacks like Goff, Wentz. I mentioned those guys showing progress in year two. So year two was always kind of that marker. At least recently, it has been that marker of you know is the guy ready to take the next step? So even if Josh Allen and, and, and Daniel Jones didn't even exist, let alone be in geographic proximity to where the Jets are, I think that yeah, Adam Gase will and should and. It's completely fair, and I don't think he, you know, he would not even argue should be judged on all all of that. You know, that's what he knows. That's why he was brought in to develop Sam Darnold, uh, independent of whatever is going on elsewhere. And I think that's that's. But yes, I think people will naturally look at the other situations, whether you're talking about Wentz and Goff in the in the recent past, or or Dar- or uh, Daniel Jones and um, and Josh Allen in the immediate, um, and say, uh, you know, it. it, it where where is Gase in getting this kid developed? And, and I think, look, 
he's only had one game with him. So it's not like we can sit here and say, oh, he has, he's failed so far. He, you know, he hasn't done what they've been able to do with Josh Allen. It's been one game, you know, and so even when he comes back in Philly, you know, maybe he's a little rusty from the mono and stuff. So let's, let's give this some time because, yeah, I've not a lot of, you know, not a lot of time, but let's, let's give them some, some, a few more games, a few more weeks here to try to sort this out and let's see if Donald can be the type of player that Gase has crowed all summer about. I mean, he is, he has crowed about the, the progress this kid has made. Um, yeah, you know, and not even progress because he wasn't with him last year, but his talent level and his potential and, um, how good he thinks he can be and, you know, how impressive he's been and all that stuff. So let's see that, uh, become reality because, Look, Gase has said that the talent level is there, the potential is there. So now it's on the coach to get the most out of that. So if he's not producing, you know, that's on Adam Gase. And Adam Gase realizes that. I mean, he's not, he's not stupid. He understands that that's why the Jets brought him here to get results out of Sam Darnold. So, um, yeah, that's what he's going to be judged on ultimately. A win, wins, of course, but, you know, quarterback play, which ultimately leads to, to wins or, or losses, I guess. So, yeah, I, I think people are going to look at the Allens. I, I don't know how much Daniel Jones is going to, you know, continue to do what he did Sunday. Maybe he does, but um, I and I think especially Allen, of course, because you're talking about a player who was in the same year. I don't think anyone is going to look at Sam Darnold and Allen, and if Darnold's not good uh, under, say Darnold's not any good under Gase, and Josh Allen winds up being a really good player, I think that will not be framed like, "Hey, McCagnan picked the wrong guy." Now, I think that'll be framed like Gase couldn't get the most out of this kid. Whether fair or not, I think that's how that will be framed. You know. Not that the Jets passed on Josh Allen, that, uh, you know, they brought a coach in here who couldn't get the most out of Sam Darnold. Because it was pretty clear there's some, certainly some talent and potential there with this kid last year. He's not a lost cause. It's not like you're saying, oh, gee, Adam Gase couldn't develop Christian Hackenberg. Gase just doesn't have it as a quarterback developer. You know, I don't think any, you know, no one was salvaging that sinking ship. So, um, I think that that's how that'll be framed. And, and I think it's reasonable because, Gase has built his reputation on being this quarterback whisperer type. And, you know, he was so excited about coming in and working with a young quarterback for the first time in his career. Let's see him produce. And to be fair, he, when I say let's see him produce, I'm not just trying to say that he hasn't produced so far. It's been one game, one game. And the kid had mono in the game. <laughs> you know, it's not like he got mono on Monday, the day after the game. He, that was in his system and he was, and, he, and it was affecting him, um, at least to some degree. So, um, Let's see. You got the, I think these next three games are fascinating. You know, say he comes back, you got Philly, uh, and Dallas and the Patriots. And man, if, if he comes back post mile, plays well, you know, I think people are going to be looking to say, hey, it's a pretty good job by Adam Gates getting, getting something out of this kid uh, with a suspect offensive line, even if the Jets are just contending those games and maybe only win one of them or something. Um, then I think people can look at it and say, oh, there's something to build on here. But if he doesn't, I think he gets one mulligan game. One mulligan game coming back from mono. Okay, he's rusty, whatever. Those next two games, uh, Dallas and New England, got to do something. I mean, you can't be dragging out the mono. Not that they say use it as an excuse, but that's not. You're not going to get that excuse, but for one game. And uh, so things need to things need to get going quickly here for Darnold and and Gase. And it's unfortunate for Darnold because. You know, it's not like he, he's just been, like, sitting around with an ankle sprain and he's been able to, like, ride a bike and throw You know what I mean? Like, this, this you know, mono is a tough one because it really does just put you on the couch. And, 
you know, to go right from that back to, you know, pro athlete level of moving around and being in shape is, is not going to be easy. As much as he wanted to downplay that, I've never had mine. I've been a pro athlete. But you know what I mean? Like, that's hard. You know, you can lose your fitness pretty quickly. You can lose uh, some of that pretty quickly. So we'll see. We'll see how he comes. I think it'll be fascinating. I, you know, I hope he comes back in, in Philly. Just, you know, you obviously don't wish ill will for, for anybody. But, um, but I think it's just impossible, as I said earlier, to assess the season with Luke Falk. I mean, nothing against the guy personally, but come on. Like, enough already. Like, and, and, and nothing, you know, he's not doing anything wrong. He's just taking the job, and he's not, not very good. That's the bottom line. But you can't really fairly and accurately assess Adam Gaze with Luke Fox, his quarterback. So let's get Darnold back and see where he's at. Let's see uh, what Adam Gaze can do because that's what the season's about now. Having said all that, Daryl, when it's all said and done, how do you think this plays out? What do you think the Jets' final record is going to be? How do you think that the wins and losses will break down? And what do you think is going to be the ultimate result for Sam Darnold at the end of the year? Do you think that Jets fans are going to be happy with his progress? Yes, I think that they will be happy with, with his progress. I think, I think this Jets team will win six or seven games. Uh, I just don't see eight wins happening. But, you know, remember, so... If you win six or seven games and you, and you stumbled on, or, you know, even in these next three, say that again, they start one and one and five. Uh, you know, then you're closing five and five or six and five. And I think if they close six and five and Darnold plays well and then they win seven games overall, um, you can sell that as progress. You can sell seven wins as progress, no doubt. Especially because you can say, look, the guy missed two games. He missed. He missed an eighth of the season um, with Mono and, and wasn't himself in the first game and may not be himself in the first game back. So um, there will be that built-in excuse for, for Adam Gates. And um, the longer Darnold is affected by this or sits out, the more uncertainty there will be, of course, about whether Gates is any good at developing a quarterback because like, no one's expecting him. No one's indicting him on Luke Falk not being any good. So... I think this team wins six or seven games, um, and I think I think Sam Donald shows progress. I, I don't think all of a sudden he's going to come back. It's not like he had an injury where, uh, I don't know, like he hurt his shoulder and it affects his throwing motion or anything like that. You know, he just needs to feel better. He just needs to, you know, the virus to run its course through his body. It's not like this is going to affect his technique, his throwing motion. Um, once he gets back in shape, it's not going to affect his ability to move. It's not like he's coming back from an ACL or he's got a bad back or any of that, any of that stuff. So I don't think you're going to see a drop-off. I think he should continue, you know, maybe get a one-game mulligan, like I said, and continue to pick back up from where he was progressing. And, and by all indications are, he had been progressing. He had been really good in the summer. So I don't see any way that that just changes all of a sudden because he got mono. Um, I, think he's going to have a, I think he's going to have a pretty solid year. I don't think he's going to be a pro bowler, but I think people are going to be encouraged by what he's done. But again, I get back to the Matt Stafford thing. You know, you can have a quarterback who pr- produces, but I think people are going to be, that's going to make it even more frustrating for Chet's fans because they're going to look at it and say, look, God, this guy is producing, but we can't, we can't win games. Um, now how do you fill in around him? Because the, the rebuild might produce some results this year for Donald and maybe some more tangible on-field win-related results. But, you know, it, the rebuild isn't over, and Joe Douglas has got a big task ahead of him next offseason to patch up these areas, these non-quarterback areas that continue to be deficiencies. And those are all questions that are going to have to be answered going forward. Joe Douglas certainly has a lot of work ahead of him. 
But for now, we have to keep our eye on Sam Darnold. We have to keep our eye on Adam Gase, and we have to see how this plays out. But as Daryl just eloquently articulated, there is a way for Adam Gase to salvage this season and to salvage his own performance the rest of the way and to get Jets fans on his side because I think that if Sam Darnold really makes a lot of progress and the Jets finish strong, even if they don't win a ton of games, even if they only go 7-9 and nine and they finish hot, a lot of Jets fans will be back on that bandwagon and excited for the 2020 season. And then, of course, Joe Douglas will have to get to work trying to fix the other pieces around Sam Darnold. Quickly, too. Yeah. Because people are going to want results in year three, right? They're going to want a playoff push. No more rebuilding next year, right? I mean, I mean, come on. And people are going to be impatient as well they should, as well they should be because be, the heat will be on Douglas next offseason. There have been too many rebuilds with this organization the last couple of years. Rebuilds aren't supposed to last for six years, essentially, is what it comes down to. So Joe Douglas took this job knowing that the heat was going to be on him, and he is going to have to earn that paycheck starting with this 2020 offseason, and we will see how he does. But, Daryl, I can tell you how you did. You did awesome, just like you always do. It was just like riding a bike, coming right back in here, riding in on the <laughs> horse, saving the day. I'm really glad that you were able to come back. we got to figure out a way to get you on the podcast more regularly. I know that you've got a lot going on in your personal life like you were talking about, and you're doing a lot of other things with other teams around the league in general NFL. But it's always great to have you on, and we got to get you on more often. Yeah, happy to come on anytime, and uh, good to catch up with you again. So uh, we'll see what these next few weeks bring, but it should be interesting. I think the bye week comes at a good time. And so... Uh, but yeah, it'll be Giants, Giants, and Washington this week. Uh, that'll be that'll be the big one, obviously. But uh, but yeah, for Jets fans, it's uh, you know it's regroup and and see if you can see if you can get one over on a, on a Philly team that's been a little bit vulnerable. But uh, good luck to anyone who's going down there. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. You know, if I wanna wanted to want to go into that uh, into that inferno. But uh, but if you go, you know, Dinix roast pork. In, in the Reading Terminal Market, can't go wrong there. As good as the cheesesteak is in a lot of places, the roast pork there at Dinnick's and Reading Terminal Market is a, is a can't miss. So get there early if you're going down because they'll sell out of those things. But, uh, but yeah, enjoy the game, anyone who's going. Can confirm your opinion on the Reading Terminal Market. Last time I was there, absolutely outstanding. And you're right. Go ahead and get there early because you don't want to miss out on that. Daryl, before you run, what do you got going on at NJ.com? What are you working on right now? Yeah, so... Uh, Really, a lot of our Jeff stuff Matt has been handling, and so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been doing some more so uh, NFL wide and Giant stuff. But really, if you're if you're interested in reading about some of the stuff we were talking about earlier, with um, you know judging a coach based on how he does when they're shorthanded, I think you know something that's so, somewhat applicable there is I wrote a piece on Pat Shermer today, which is hey, like let's see what this guy's got. I mean, they hired him to be an offensive guru, and and now. Um, you know, they don't have Beckham, obviously they don't, and they don't have Barkley and those guys, it's remarkable. They accounted for more than half of their offensive production last year in terms of total touches, total yards, total touchdowns. Uh, so let's see what Shermer can scheme up for Daniel Jones to take the pressure off the kid. So similar to what we were talking about with, with Greg Williams, right? Prove yourself to be a guru when it really matters when you're not, not at full strength. So, um, there's that. And then Matt's got a, uh, a piece up there about, you know, some reasons why, uh, this jet season is still worth following. Um, even though at 0 and 3, they're not making the playoffs. So, um, th- that's worth checking out. Uh, if, if you want to, you know, just, just regroup and look ahead and, and, and wonder, Hey, what, what's still left for me to pay attention to? I think there's plenty. And, uh, that's basically Matt begging you to continue to read his stories, but that's okay. So, uh, uh, 
Matt does a, a, a graceful job of groveling. So there you go if you want to check that out. And, uh, yeah, appreciate everybody reading. Follow Daryl on Twitter at Daryl Slater. Read his work over at NJ.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and turn on the Jets.com. <laughs>